0: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. You're listening to Living Better in San Diego. I'm Vicki Pepper. A new documentary called Free to Speak focuses on perhaps the most impactful part of the First Amendment, freedom of speech. This three-part program also features free speech experts, critics, and defenders who examine its long history and controversy since the founding of our country. On the line to discuss is constitutional law expert Nadine Strawson. Thank you for joining me. Nadine, what do you think was in the thoughts of our founding fathers when they came together and composed the First Amendment?
1: The founding fathers understood that the most essential freedom to have a secure and thriving democracy where we, the people, to quote the opening words of the Constitution, wield sovereign power. The most essential freedom for furthering democracy is freedom of speech. For we, the people, to receive whatever information and ideas we choose, to convey whatever information and ideas we choose, to engage in debates with each other. And to criticize and engage in debates with political candidates and government officials. That is how we hold them accountable to us. I think the Founding Fathers also recognized, if one looks at their writings, including in the Federalist Papers, that freedom of speech is essential for all other human rights and for all other human de- endeavors certainly including the pursuit of truth in every field from science to religion to philosophy.
0: Freedom of speech has drawn a lot of flack over the years. Do you know why that is?
1: Freedom of speech is always controversial because people tend to focus on it in the context of debates about particular controversial or unpopular speech. If people say something that is popular or that's um, not particularly provocative, nobody makes an issue about it. The debates, Starts when somebody actually exercises freedom to say something that is, for example, hateful or extremist or disinformation or misinformation. Many of us who have been working on these issues often observe that most people support freedom of speech for me or people who agree with me but not for thee. And what we really have to hammer home to people is that you cannot have meaningful free speech for ideas you agree with unless you are also willing to support freedom for ideas you disagree with. It's counterintuitive, and that's why the stories that are told in this wonderful film series are so persuasive because they make people see That no matter who you are and no matter what you believe, freedom of speech is essential for you to pursue your vision of truth and justice.
0: What actually led to the making of this documentary? And given all of the different aspects associated with the subject, how challenging was it to break it down into three parts?
1: There are so many controversies about free speech every day in the news All over the United States and all over the world. So I really hand it to the excellent filmmakers having done a fantastic job of choosing a very diverse array of particular stories that illustrate how vital freedom of speech is and how vulnerable freedom of speech is for every kind of person, for every kind of belief in every country and every culture throughout history. And from having talked with the filmmakers, I know that the reason why they were committed to this really important project is that it grew out of other work on the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, understanding the essential role that free speech plays in a furthering. The ideals of the Declaration and the ideals of the Constitution.
0: How tough of a balancing act is it when it comes to protections of the First Amendment when it comes to hateful speech?
1: We often use the phrase a delicate balance, acknowledging that freedom of speech is a double edged sword. On the one hand, people's vigorous exercise of their own free speech rights might well have what we call a chilling or suppressive impact on other people's exercise of their free speech rights. That's the argument that's made in favor of censoring hate speech, that if you use hateful language about a particular group of people that traditionally have been subject to discrimination, then those people are less likely to exercise their own free speech rights. But on the other hand, if we give government too much power to stigmatize some speech as hateful speech, that's going to have a suppressive message on people's ideas about very important public policy issues. So, for example, we have a very important debates now, obviously, about police practices and the Black Lives Matter movement. But some politicians and others argue that Black Lives Matter advocacy is hate speech. They say it's hate speech against police officers or hate speech against white people. Conversely, you have supporters of the Black Lives Matter movement who say, no, those criticisms of Black Lives Matter advocacy as hate speech is itself hate speech. So it's a completely subjective concept. And if we are to have vibrant debates about public policy issues, we cannot suppress speech solely because its idea is hated or hateful. We have to respond to such speech with more speech, with debates, with information, with education, with support for the people who are disparaged. And that's much more effective. You're never going to eliminate hateful ideas simply by stifling certain expressions.
0: Social media has really come into its own lately. How has that impacted the parameters of misinformation and freedom of speech?
1: Social media, along with every other media throughout history, is neutral in the sense that it is a means of communication. And we human beings, for better or worse, use every communications medium, both to provide really positive information and ideas and to provide really negative information and ideas. And throughout history, it's so interesting, every new communications medium has been greeted by government with calls to censor it on the argument that, oh, it's so much more powerful. It can do so much more harm than past media. That was certainly true for the printing press in the 20th century. It was true for the telephone, for radio, for television, for cable TV, for video games, you name it. So it's not surprising that we're seeing the very same calls to censor social media, but there is no justification for that. What we have to do is employ what the time tested mechanism for responding to any speech in any medium that we consider to be wrong headed and dangerous and that's by ignoring it by refuting it by proactively educating people against it. So for example, there's been a lot of debate lately about so-called disinformation or misinformation on social media, a very subjective concept. And one person's fake news or disinformation is somebody else's gospel truth. So experts say Rather than trying to eliminate the supply of disinformation, which is a fool's errand, we really have to go after the demand. We have to educate people with critical media skills, critical inquiry skills, fact-checking skills, so that they can learn to the best of our ability to separate the true from the false. And social media and online media in general provide just unparalleled new opportunities for fact-checking and research and exploring the truth.
0: How do you see your law students reacting to the First Amendment
1: and its many issues? Both anecdotal evidence and public opinion polls continue to show that students at all levels of education and in all fields are distressingly not supportive of free speech particularly of what the Supreme Court has called the bedrock principle of free speech, viewpoint neutrality, that government should never suppress speech solely because of disagreement with or dislike of its viewpoint. That principle is especially important in law school, where we are educating future members of the legal profession, which depends on the advocacy system, right? Lawyers have a responsibility to, a professional responsibility to zealously advocate on behalf of every client, making all arguments that are supported by legal precedent and by legal principles. Unfortunately, we have started to see an increasing wave of incidents in law schools where students are refusing to engage with perspectives that they disagree with, even in the classroom, certainly in terms of outside speakers. And even uh, many law professors now are reporting that they avoid teaching controversial sensitive, really important topics and really important cases, because the students find the perspectives in the cases and the language in the cases to be offensive and insulting. So in American legal history, shocking as the Supreme Court's ruling in cases like Plessy versus Ferguson upholding so-called separate but equal racial discrimination or the Dred Scott case upholding the rights of slave holders, not of enslaved people. These are shocking cases and students are saying they shouldn't be exposed to them. But I don't, as somebody who completely You know, has been devoted to advocating for racial justice and equality and human rights. I don't understand how students can become effective advocates for those principles without understanding the unfortunate history from which we came. And only by reading and grappling with those arguments can you most effectively respond to them and rebut them.
0: I'm speaking with constitutional law expert Nadine Strawson. What do you hope audiences will take away when they watch this new documentary called Free to Speak?
1: I hope the biggest takeaway for audiences is a renewed understanding about the importance of free speech, a renewed excitement about the importance of free speech to understand this is something that too many Americans tend to take for granted. But when you see how many people have struggled and sacrificed, including in our own country, for even giving up their very lives. So I hope people will understand that this is something worth fighting for and that it is only going to continue and thrive if people actually exercise their own free speech rights, voice their perspectives, ask their questions, engage in criticism, engage with ideas they disagree with and people they disagree with. This is necessary not only to fully enjoy this precious individual liberty, but also necessary for a healthy, robust, pluralistic democracy.
0: How can we watch this documentary?
1: To find out exactly where and when in your local viewing area, please go to the freetospeakseries.com website, which has a where to watch button. The films are also going to be available for streaming on the website and the free to choose network YouTube channel. Finally, DVDs and digital downloads will be available for purchase on the website. Thank you so much for talking
0: with us today. And we can't wait to check out this documentary.
1: Thank you so much for that excellent interview. And thank you for your appreciated exercise of your free speech rights.